Well, day one at Crufts 2019. It's busy, the lights are on, the rings are full, and who better to catch up with than Carolyn Menteith? Carolyn, how many Crufts have you done now? Oh, no, that's almost embarrassing to say. <laughs> I can't tell you that. Um, I think this is my 20th Crufts. Isn't that extraordinary? I was a child when I came here first. Absolutely. <laughs> Things have changed in the dog world in 20 years dramatically, haven't they? I think in all parts of the dog world. I mean, Crofts is now four days over five halls in the arena. It's crazy. I mean, it's the first day and it is so busy out there. Um, but it's not just the showing side of things that's changed as well. It's how we do things. I mean, as you know, I'm a behaviourist and trainer and that's mostly what I do. And our world is changing dramatically and it's so incredibly exciting. I think one of the things that people don't recognise is that behaviourist isn't a protected title. So if you wanted to go and get yourself some business cards printed and say you're a behaviourist, you've got as much right to do that as I have. Well, in real terms, what does that therefore mean for people? For, for whom, you know, training dogs is stressful and confusing, when they go out and look for somebody to help them train their dogs, what in real terms does that mean? Are there, dare I say, people out there who are not offering the service that, that the, the customer might expect? I think we've definitely got people out there who think that it's easy and so we'll do a weekend course and say they're a behaviourist because they can do that. I think we've also got people out there who maybe are academically fantastically educated but don't have the experience hands-on with dogs. And I think for the public to try and work out who is good, who's experienced, who's qualified, it's an absolute minefield out there. And if you look back to what happened with veterinary nurses, veterinary nurses weren't a protected title and they got together as a profession to actually regulate the profession. And so that's now what we're doing. It's incredibly exciting. We've got a group of behaviourists and trainers who have suddenly realised that if we really want to revolutionise the profession, what we have to do is we have to have a code of conduct and a code of practice. We've got to be working ethically. We've got to be actually supporting the people who we're out to work with. And more to the point, they have to be able to trust us. Quite often when people call in a behaviourist, you're their last resort. Um, They're really desperate, they've got problems, and they need to be able to know the people that they're calling in are actually going to be able to help them. So that's what we're doing. Um, We've got a meeting, a roundtable meeting with the Kennel Club. They've said that they're actually going to host us. And to have the Kennel Club on board is just fantastic. So we've got a meeting at the Kennel Club on the 1st of April. Uh, April Fool's Day, that worries me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) There's uh, well-established breed standards within the judging of dogs and presumably a framework for a standard of behaviourist is is what you're aiming for, the similar principle which people would have to be certified to achieve? Very much so. They would have to be accredited. What we're looking is for behaviour organisations to sign up to a charter to say that they're working within this code of conduct. That means that they're accredited, so they have to have trained, they have to have experience, and a reputable organisation has to have accredited them. Then they have to continue the professional learning with CPD, continue professional development, to make sure that they keep their standards up to date and that they keep being modern and giving the very, very best behaviour advice possible. We always have to look at, are we doing the least aversive thing and the most effective thing? And it's only with continued education and accreditation that we can do that. And I guess behaviour training with dogs has evolved over the years and things that were de rigueur and seen as absolutely the right thing to do a decade ago, five years ago, uh, are now frowned upon and there are new techniques to be learned. 
we learn all the time. I mean, that's why it's so important to keep your skills up to date. I mean, what I remember in the dim and distant past, Barbara Woodhouse was hailed as a goddess, and she was. She brought dog training forward from the, from the army days and told us that anyone can train your dog. But then you wouldn't look at what Barbara Woodhouse used to do then and think that was appropriate to do now. So we keep progressing. We have got far more... Um, far more reward-based, far more positive as trainers. We don't look at what the dog's doing wrong to punish them anymore. We look at what they're doing right to reward them. Um, and that is a really, really important part of our profession. If you punish a dog for doing the th things wrong, all they learn is there's one thing they shouldn't do, not what they actually should do instead. Having an animal uh, and training it is as much the responsibility of the owner as anybody. How much of the work that you do is training the owner as well as the dog? The dogs are the easy bit. <laughs> it's always about training the owner. What you're looking for, if you have a really good bond with your dog and a really good relationship with your dog, the rest almost falls into place. And it's the owners that have to foster that relationship. So it's all about training the owners. They're learning to live with a different species. And dogs don't speak human very well. And humans have to learn to speak dog. Many of the 160-odd thousand people who will come through the doors here uh, for Crufts uh, will be pet owners rather than dog showers. Uh, many of them will want to be responsible in terms of training their dogs. Until the certification and the standard that you're now trying to, to achieve comes about, what should people look for when they go online, when they, they read the documentation about people who are out there offering their services? What should they be looking for to make sure they're making a good choice? I think when it, most people are looking for trainers and so to look for the accredited organisations like the Association of Pet Dog Trainers, which is probably the biggest um, and they are highly accredited, highly um, experienced dog trainers, they're a very, very good starting point. There's also the Kennel Club, the Kennel Club have the Assured Instructor Scheme and that's another good place to look for. So with both of those you know that you're going to get experienced accredited trainers who are going to be able to help you with your dog. Um, with behaviourists, again, we've got some really good behaviour organisations. We've got um, we've got Cope, we've got the the Association of Pet Behaviour Counsellors, um, and it's looking for people who accredit their members. Um, it is a bit of a minefield. Thankfully, this charter should be up and running really quickly. If we get the meeting at the Kennel Club on the 1st of April, hopefully by the summer it'll be a really easy job to work out how you go and find yourself a behaviourist in the training. In those unfortunate circumstances where, uh, where a member of the public has chosen a behaviourist, somebody to train their dogs, and they've had a bad experience, what can they do? Have they got any redress and what should they do next? We're not a regulated profession, so no, they have no redress whatsoever. I mean, what they could do is that if they're a member of a professional body, they could complain to the professional body. But at the moment, we don't even hold professional bodies up to standards of having complaints procedures. So that's one of the things that we're going to have to look at because it is a big gap in the market. Now, big changes for you as well, personally. You've got a new business, your production company, because you're, you're well known in training videos and, and online and, and the radio and television shows that you've done. But what tells us what's happening with your production company? I, as you said, I do an awful lot of filming and I film with crews. Some of them are absolutely fantastic. And then there's others who'll say, you know, can you just get the dog to stand on his hands and wave his paws around? And, and you kind of have to say, no, dogs don't work like that. So it was to find to sort of find a production company that would understand dogs, that would understand how I work, so that we can actually go out and get the very, very best service for the people who want us to show them in a perfect light and want to show their dogs in a perfect light. 
So the Sirius production company is out in force at Crufts. Um, and you're here with your, your team uh, yeah. and going uh, around Crufts. What are you doing here at Crufts specifically? Well, I've got Jeremy, the production manager, who's standing behind taking photographs, which I'm sure will end up on Facebook very, very soon. Um, and Mike, the cameraman, who will be off shooting dogs in the photographic way. Um, so we're filming, we're filming on the Purina stands. We've been filming breeders for their um, breeder programme. We'll be filming on the Argyra stand tomorrow to do some work with them. And we'll be doing little bits of work for the Kennel Club and quite like, frankly for anyone who pays me. Exciting times. It Caroline, is, it is. a pleasure as always to catch up with you. Enjoy your filming and I hope it all goes well for you over the next four days. Thanks a lot, Steve. And um, I'm sure we'll talk later.